The idea that we lose ourselves in the presence of our partner is deeply ingrained in the modern perception of love, particularly in the United States, as almost all of our communal institutions give way to a heightened sense of individualism. We look more frequently to our partner to provide the emotional and physical resources that a village or community used to provide. Is it any wonder that tied up in relying on a partner for compassion, reassurance, sexual excitement, financial partnership, etc., that we end up looking to them for identity, or even worse, for self-worth? Esther Perel. Mic drop. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're picking back up with part two of what makes a relationship inspiring. Uh, So in last week's episode, we started this conversation talking about some writings from Esther Perel um, about how to maintain a sex life in your relationship and also um, some stuff from Simone de Beauvoir. Uh, uh, as well about autonomy and the importance and the importance of that in your relationships. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check that out from last week. Um, and then this week, we're picking back up by talking about two incredibly important things in relationships, one of which is mutual respect, and the other one is a sense of self. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to I'm delve excited. back It's into been this. a long time since we've had a two-parter episode i know yeah it has been yeah, a while it, like it, it's very rare for us but we just kept talking and talking and we're like <laughs> the hour's almost up, not shut and up we have not finished even remotely <laughs> so maybe we need to do more of this but yeah um again last week we were talking um about esther perel and ira glass on this american life when mm, they were right. discussing that it was very difficult for them to find relationships that inspired them. And Esther Perel was going to write an article on inspiring relationships, but ended up not doing it because she really didn't know what that she was. She gave up. She was like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And nobody, <laughs> nobody figured out what that was. So we decided to do it for her. And here we are. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so... Let's just jump right into it, I guess. Yeah. So our first topic to talk about today um, is about respect. Um, So this one, um, I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Mark Manson. Uh, He's a writer. He does a blog. He also wrote the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of his writing. I actually haven't read his book, but I I like his blog quite a bit. Um, But he uh, got married a few years ago. And right before he was about to get married, um, he asked he put out a question to anyone who's been married for over 10 years and is still happy in their relationship what lessons would you pass down to others if you could what's working for you and your partner and if you're divorced what didn't work previously what would your advice be and it's it's funny actually that i um when i was in college one of my first like really serious college relationships where i was thinking about 
you know, marriage and all that sorts of stuff. Um, marriage. I, uh, I'm <laughs> marriage is I just great love that that's like a punchline of a joke for Emily. <laughs> marriage God. is great for people who want to do it and who are in it and good. Good for you. Yes. Um, it is really funny to me to think of you getting married, Jace. Oh, my God. You, talk you about, were engaged like, at 23. Were... I was. Yes, I know. Oh, it's so nutso. Um, but the what's interesting is that the question that I asked of my dad and you know my parents have been divorced since I was mm-hmm. around nine or so eight or nine and um, I asked my dad I was like so you know dad this is the relationship I'm in and these are the things I'm thinking about I just kind of wanted to know what's your take on like what not to do <laughs> <laughs> sort of like you've screwed it up before dad <laughs> kind tell of, me yeah. how to not do that oh, kind dear. of yeah um, and it was interesting uh, that uh, you know, part of part of his answer was just about um, just wait a little bit longer than you think you want to mm. um, before doing. He's something. like, "Don't be twenty three. <laughs> yeah, basically. Because uh, wait, wasn't your dad twenty three when he like had you? Uh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I was conceived oh, when my parents were twenty three, and then oh. they were twenty four when I was born. Can you um, imagine, Stedeker? We'd have like a six year old right now. Uh, yeah, no, if, you, uh, if you and I collectively had a child at twenty three, uh, my, ki- my kid, my kid would be like eleven or twelve right now. Oh my god, that's amazing! Oh my god. Yeah. Chase, you're so old. I know, but God, he he or she would be the cutest kid. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yes, it depends on who you procreate with, really. <laughs> I'm sure it would be an adorable child. Yes, um, but anyway, uh, but we want to talk about what it was that Mark Manson found from these responses that he got for this. Yeah, so he goes over a lot of different things in this blog post on what, you know, people need to do in their relationships in order to have long-lasting, awesome relationships. And it's interesting, I think over over a thousand people mm-hmm. actually wrote back to him. Wow. And, yeah. and it, so the thing that he said was that he started to see a lot of themes come up, um, obviously, even over a thousand people, there were things that kept coming up over and over and over again. So one of them, and I think that he cited it as the most important thing in a relationship, even before something like communication, was respect. I mean, he says, respect goes hand in hand with trust, and trust is the lifeblood of any relationship, romantic or otherwise. Without trust, there can be no sense of intimacy or comfort. Without trust, your partner will become a liability in your mind, something to be avoided and analyzed, not a protective home base for your heart and your mind. Which is really interesting. Whew. That's interesting because there's a part of that that seems to contradict some stuff that Esther Perel said. Talks about. I know, I know, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. Which is this idea where it's like, yeah, trust is important, and of course that comfort is important. But if that's all that's there, mm-hmm. you're not going to want to have sex with that person anymore. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, is kind of the argument that she makes. Well, yeah. I mean, if we <clears throat> if we want to get super, you know, text analytical about this. Uh, you know, what he says here is that without trust, there can be no sense of intimacy or comfort. So essentially mm-hmm. saying that you can't even find that middle ground because if you don't have respect, you don't have any of that at all. Yeah. Um, mm. It's, it is, gosh, I, I find that respect is something that more and more, like especially since learning a little bit more about this, like more and more I see is such a big difference in relationships that, you know, I've had that I've been happier in, uh, you know, compared to ones that I haven't been as well as other people's relationships when I see them, you know, being happy or not that like respect is such a big part of it. Yeah. Um, of just kind of 
like, do you trust your partner to make good decisions? You know, do you trust mm, them? Do you like, it, it's like, I guess I'm using the word trust, but I feel like it comes down to respect. Like, do I respect you enough to be someone who, you know, is in control of your own life and your own mind? Or do I think of you kind of like a child who can't make your own decisions and they need to be made for you and you need to be controlled? Um, oh my God. I mean, I've yeah. definitely noticed a pattern in myself. I mean, this is mostly my pre-polyamory days, but I noticed that definitely in long-term relationships that as soon as I lost respect for the person, like as soon as mm. I started to get into that of like, I don't respect the decisions this person makes. I don't respect what it is that they're doing with their life. Um, you know, if I do start to see them as kind of like a child who can't take care of themselves, like, I mean, that's pretty much always been the turning point for me in a relationship where I'm just like, I'm checked out, mm. you know? Yeah. Because you also don't yeah. want to be that person's mother. Like, I mean, I'm sure that your parents can respect your kids, but it's a different <clears throat> it's a different thing there. You don't necessarily trust them to make good decisions for themselves. So right. in that same way, I think, yeah, you can if you start losing respect for your partner, that's really not a good thing. And how can you like want to have sex with someone that you don't respect? In my opinion, or who doesn't respect you? Yeah, right, totally. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about parents because I do think there has to be this transition at some point in a relationship between a parent and a child where mm -hmm. you move from, you know, that that person who you need to kind of make their decisions for them to transitioning to, okay, now I respect you as someone who can make your own decisions, even if I don't always agree with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that same thing can be true in relationships. And we also talk about, or, you know, one of the sort of conventional pieces of wisdom is that if you want to see how someone's going to be in their relationships, look at how they are in their relationship with their parents, mm. um, like how they're going to be in a longer term relationship. And I think, you know, there may or may not be truth to that. There's definitely things that contradict it. Um, but I think what's interesting is just to see how many parallels there are. And we make the parallels a lot when talking about polyamory, like that you can love more than one person, just like a parent loves more than one child. And it's not like having a second child makes you love the first one less. We use that sort of parent-child analogy sure. to talk about love. But I think it really, I think you bring up a good point by mentioning the parent thing. Because uh, it does... Yeah, it, I mean, it does have a lot of parallel there of like, is this someone that you feel like you need to sort of control or shelter from things or that you don't trust them to make good decisions or that if they make a decision you don't agree with, that means they're wrong rather than they just made a decision you don't agree with, mm -hmm. right? It gets... Yeah, because you can still respect someone who makes decisions that are different from those that perhaps you would, right? but if it comes down to a point where you're like, I have no respect for this person, they are wrong, you know, and I am right and they need to learn something or whatever, that's that's a different story. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, definitely. Dedeker, definitely. you have an interesting story about this, correct? Gosh, yeah. I mean, the first, the first ever like meditation retreat I went on, it was kind of right when I was in the middle of a, a turning point in my life around vulnerability and being vulnerable in relationships. Like... I kind of had like had this epiphany about opening myself up to my partners and, you know, not being so like self-protective and stuff like that. But I kind of like swung way into the opposite direction of like being way vulnerable. And then I was just like raw and just really having a really difficult mm -hmm. time and feeling too vulnerable. And so like I brought this to like one of the teachers on the meditation retreat. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about it for a while. But the thing is like the piece of advice that came out of that always stuck with me because she mentioned that 
you know, when you love someone that it's not that helpful to think about like your heart becoming one with that person, you know, or your heart opening up and then that person comes in and then like it all melts together and, uh, you know, all that kind of tired Judeo-Christian narrative about relationships and, and sex. But she said that, you know, when you fall in love with someone and when you love someone, it's two hearts that have learned to respect the other heart's solitude. And this idea of like, that there's always going to be this separation there. And that's actually a good thing. And it's good to respect that um, with your partners. And yeah, that always, always stuck with me of this idea of like, because it kind of relates to a lot of things. It's not just the respect thing, but it's also about giving each other space. It's also about letting each other be independent, autonomous individuals. Um, but yeah, that's just always something that's, that's really, really stuck with me since then about the way that I look at relationships, the way that I look at, you know, loving another human being. Yeah. Yeah. I think something to realize about this too, and I guess I'm going to go back to the parent metaphor here is that, um, like, you know, Dedeker, you talked about how you've had relationships where you felt like you lost respect for that person at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what what I'm thinking about, though, is something that I see happen very often that's a little bit of the other side from that is that people will, once a relationship, especially once a relationship becomes more serious, but maybe even earlier on, will have kind of a lack of respect for their partner that might be just born out of what their role models were for how relationships Mm. go Uh, a lot of times I see it tied up in gender and this can go either way you know we've talked before about the sort of pop culture narrative of you know the husband being barely smarter than a dog essentially the the, the myth of male incompetence right the the myth of male incompetence when it comes to when it comes to particular tasks like child rearing and house cleaning and stuff like that right that he's got to be an idiot and so we're taught that narrative and that you could come in with that. And on the other side, you know, we see this a lot with things like how much more often men will interrupt women just in general, um, or similarly kind of, uh, those cultural narratives about women not being good at certain things, whether that's, you know, mechanical things or something. Actually, one of my favorite moments, uh, in, uh, uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a wonderful Go game. I love it. it. Now. You're not going to give any spoilers, are you? No spoilers, but there's a scene <laughs> There's a scene early on in the game where the main character goes out. Um, she's uh, her mom's new boyfriend, who she doesn't like, is giving her a ride to school, and she's unhappy god, about this. I hate, oh, my God. I, I hate right? that okay, scene okay, okay, so okay. much. I was so angry. <clears throat> but so so she, angry. She goes out, and he's working on getting the car running so that he can take her to work. And he's like, oh, I think the problem's with the spark plug. You know what a spark plug does? And she says, yeah. He's like, well, you see, the spark plug does this. And she interrupts him. She's like, I said I know what it does. (laughs) He's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Can you go get me this tool? Uh, And then she, like, puts together a car herself. And and then she, yeah, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, But anyway, it's a good example of that type of thing. While in that case, it's like, oh, it's this guy we don't like. But I feel like I looking back have seen myself do that kind of thing and i see it a ton with other uh, males that i know and how they treat their girlfriends or their female friends or coworkers or whatever anyway so the point here is not about those specifics so much but that we may come in with a certain lack of respect that's just been taught to us culturally or by our parents or by other role models we've had 
And that it's not like in Dedeker's example, where it's sort of like you've lost respect for a person because of something, like you had it and then it's been lost. Whereas this is sort of you're coming in without it. And that I think is a much more hopeful place to be because if you can realize that you can start to change it and very actively do that. And I think that in something like polyamory, it can even come up not not so much about gender roles, but just about relationship roles. This idea that you might decide to date someone who I don't think is attractive or <laughs> who I don't like that much. I don't think they're a bad person. I just like don't like them. It's like it can come up there mm, of just having totally. this sort of respect of, okay, you're going to date differently than I will. And so anyway, yeah. it is a thing that you can learn. And I think becoming aware of it, at least for me, has been hugely important. Um, and also just how someone else lives their life. Yeah. Especially when you're polyamorous in your lives, you gain more of that autonomy that, that we talked about in the last episode. Which we're going to talk about <coughs> in how to cultivate respect in a relationship. And yeah. Yeah. I actually added on some stuff about the Gottman Institute. We nice. can talk a little yeah. bit about it now, but um, it will come up again no, let's, later let's, on in it. Let's talk about it then. Okay, so let's cool. get into how to cultivate respect in a relationship. So the first one is to have respect for your partner's different hobbies and interests. Allow them to have different friends and different perspectives on things. Yeah, this is a big one. Because, again, I mean, you may like fixing cars and I may like... I don't know, dancing on the weekends or something, and the two <laughs> shall never meet. Do, do either of you two do either of those things? Um, I mean, I had my clubbing phase, and I definitely back in the day when I was like 22, ew, um, <laughs> I definitely did dance on the weekends a lot, so yes, yes once upon a time. And I've done. Jason, I've do done. Do you have your car fixing phase? No, Jason. I've done maintenance on cars. Yes. I, I haven't ever like fixed a car from death to life. No, but um. you you have like changed your own oil and stuff like it's that. Not that impressive. It is though to <laughs> me. Not... It totally is. Um, the most impressive thing I've done was actually changing the brakes on a car. Wow, um, that is crazy. But I did. Well okay. done. I, I, you that gained is some awesome. Respect points for sure. <laughs> totally. On that one. But for anyone out there who actually works on cars. I know there's a much they're more like to the, it. See, yeah, I they're like completely yeah, yeah. pull both of those out of my ass. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I think this one comes up maybe even more often with hobbies. Mm. Um, that again, going back to this cultural narrative, it's the idea that you know one of them has a hobby that the other one finds annoying, right? Like one of them, you know, likes to collect and paint D and D miniatures. <laughs> Right. And there's sort of the cultural narrative of like, ugh, like, oh, I have to hide this from my wife or whatever. Right. Like, because I'm embarrassed about this nerdy thing that I'm into and she couldn't love me for that. Right. For all of all you D&D people out there, I'm laughing because my <laughs> partner is actually the like head of a D&D miniature company. So I'm not laughing because <laughs> because I find that not cool. I find it very cool. Yes. Um, but anyway, that, that yes. sort of thing of like having respect for their hobby, even if it's something that you don't have an interest in rather than kind of, I almost feel like we're taught to sort of put down those things if it's not something that we also like ourselves. Yeah. Why is that? That's shitty. I guess because it makes for funnier sitcoms. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's that. I mean, I, I think we can, never, we can never, we can never really mean. the influence of the things that we see in like, TV and movies. Mm -hmm. I know like so many people 
try to be like, oh, whatever, like, I don't watch TV movies or oh, it doesn't affect me. But it's kind of like, I don't know, it's such a lifeblood of our culture. Like, mm-hmm. we get so many cues mm-hmm. from that. And especially in an absence, like we were talking about last week, in an absence of actually getting to see a lot of relationships up close and personal, you know, other than basically like our parents, maybe. Um, Yeah, that's true. You know, those things do affect so much of how we feel like we have to be in our adult relationships. Yeah. 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 Uh, So moving on to the next one, another way to cultivate respect in your relationship is to come to the relationship with a sense of being a team and allowing each other's voice to be heard. And of course, this is also true of multi-partner relationships as well. Something we've come back to on this podcast a lot is this idea, particularly with metamors, with your partner's other partner. Um, you know, the idea, like, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to be in a relationship together. But it is important of this to maintain this idea that everyone's at least on the same team. Or at least, like, that you work in the same office, at the very, very least, <laughs> no, you know. At least um, Yeah, that's, cute. that's a cute metaphor. Yeah, I like, I like that. that. That we're generally going toward the same goal, that we're not, you know, trying to beat each other down and trying to compete with each other. And that sounds so simple and fundamental, but particularly when it comes to couples, you know, negotiating or working through conflict being able to get to that sense of like, oh, hey, there's an issue and now it's us versus the issue. It's not me versus you. Mm. You know, the faster that you can break out of me versus you and into us versus the problem, you know, the faster the problem is going to be solved. Yeah, that's great. For our next one here, we want to talk about um, actually a couple things from the Gottman Institute. Um, but what we're going to, what I want to start with actually is talking about, um, we've mentioned the Gottman Institute in the past, like in our episode about the science of happy relationships. And this, uh, you know, organization does a lot of studies and things about relationships, what makes relationships last, what makes them more likely to break up, you know, what are the the key things that actually statistically affect that rather than just sort of the hearsay of like, oh, you know, these five things are sure to doom your relationship. Number four will blow your mind. Cosmopolitan. Um, sorry, I'm really into like making everything into an upworthy headline right now or yeah. like a BuzzFeed article. Uh, anyway, so uh, what what I remember, like the first study of theirs that I remember reading about was that they could listen to a couple have a conversation and based on the words that they used in that conversation about whatever when talking to each other could determine with this, you know, startling amount of accuracy, whether or not that couple would still be together within a couple years or however long it was. And wasn't it also, I, I thought it was like, it only takes them like essentially like a minute and a half. Yeah. Right. Didn't even take seeing, that long. And seeing the couple talk like, about like a particular uh, subject or a particular, you know, maybe an issue mm-hmm. that they fight over often, and like in a minute and a half, they can tell. And it was well, with like ninety four percent accuracy. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. But I'm I'm pretty sure it actually wasn't even about a fight or anything. It was just like or was it having an actual conversation about something. Maybe it was something where they had to... Are you sure? Because I could sit down and have a conversation with you about some pretty ridiculous and inane <laughs> things that I don't think would carry... And then, like, contempt any... and things would come no, up. No, but I mean... <laughs> right? You know, I think it'd be more... I think, it like, if I brought up something that we've argued about in the past, then that would be more likely. Sorry, I'm arguing with you via you to the Gottman Institute, and it doesn't make any sense. You are. We're also nicely reversing gender roles by you interrupting me. Uh, so she is the alpha. She's the alpha. <laughs> we have... Shoot! Someone, Sorry. Someone did comment uh, on one of our episodes uh, where we were and criticizing the red, the red pill, pill episode, yeah. that said Dedeker was the alpha. Which Duh. Because... <laughs> 
because apparently I interrupt the both of you all the time. I, d- I, guess. I don't know. But their, their comment was hard it to ha- understand. It happened last. It happened in the last episode. <laughs> I was like, I can wait. I'm sorry. I'll try to be better. What I was trying to say is that I don't think it's about a specific argument that that couple has had, but it was about some kind of discussion that involved some amount of of debating about something. So it wasn't just like talking about what we did last weekend. Uh, But anyway, what they found is that the thing that was the main marker for whether that relationship would last was the kind of language they used about each other, about whether it was respectful or not, essentially is what it comes down to. That did they use sort of dismissive language when talking to each other? Did they use, you know, disrespectful ways of referring to each other, things like that? Um, And... uh, can you re- quickly say what the four horsemen are again for our listeners? Well, I haven't gotten to that yet. Okay, so okay, sorry, okay. I wanted to set that up about respect. And then, so then they've also talked about these things that are the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships. Uh, and that th- there are basically four things that can happen in a relationship that basically once these things start happening, it's kind of over. Like there's not mm. a lot you can do to salvage a relationship at this point. So definitely contempt, contempt is which are things like rolling your eyes mm-hmm. or I think it could involve, you know, like talking over a partner or mocking them, being mm-hmm. sarcastic, making fun of them. Contempt one. Um, criticism. Yes, criticism. As in, yeah. And not like constructive criticism or constructive feedback, but as in like, you know, picking at a partner, personal criticizing attacks. the way they dress, criticizing the way they've done a particular task or a chore or something like that. So just kind of nitpicking at them all the time. Um, uh, defensiveness yeah, slash gotta, blaming. Gotta. It's kind of the it's kind of two sides of the same coin, as in, you know, never taking responsibility for your own emotions, never taking responsibility for your own actions. Maybe that means never ever apologizing for anything. Um, coupled with blaming, as in always putting the blame for that on either another person or you know the other person that you're with or some kind of external circumstances. And then the last one is stonewalling, mm-hmm. as in. Shutting out, ignoring your partner, giving the silent treatment, uh, things like that. So they found that, you know, I, I think the sad thing is that all of us have done this to someone that we love at some point in our lives. Um, and it's not great, but the idea being that if any of these become a regular feature in your communication and your relationships, um, it's just going to be continue to be destructive probably until the relationship ends. Yeah, and the four horsemen within the Gottman Institute, they also talked about the often problems that are just systemic and they last for a long period of time and they never really resolve. That's also a big issue that one a problem can be resolved and it's always there within a relationship that that can be something that potentially ends the relationship. Mm-hmm. But within mm-hmm. all that, they also speak about how to combat that. And one of the ways coming back around to respect in a relationship and cultivating that is um, a way to combat the four horsemen is to appreciate your partner and appreciation really shows that you have a deep respect for your partner and that you value them i mean it also allows you to cultivate this gentleness and gratitude when times get tough uh when a difficult situation arises it can allow you to not do all those things like stonewalling like you know having contempt for your partner name-calling anything along those lines and instead sort of have more of a gentleness when you get angry with them. And I appreciate that the Gottman Institute talked about that because I think, yeah, that also says that you respect your partner enough to be able to do those things for them in the moment. Yeah, they they do talk a lot about, um, 
you know, that doing essentially the opposite of the four horsemen mm-hmm. can be really helpful and positive for your relationship. So for instance, you know, instead of criticizing, uh, you know, just being more gentle in that, using I statements, talking about your feelings, talking about, you know, framing things that you need in a positive way rather than in a negative way that's critical of your partner. Don't um, use always or never statements. Right. Right. Things like that. Like <clears throat> Emily was saying, you know, the opposite of contempt is appreciation, mm-hmm. but they also, they even go further to, and they say you should build a culture of appreciation in your relationship so that it's a thing that constantly happens there's constantly a back and forth of appreciation um that that's something that happens quite often um the opposite of defensiveness i think quite obviously being just taking responsibility you know owning your own shit like we've talked about on this podcast um and the opposite of stonewalling is actually interesting it's not what i expected i would think that it means you know just open up to your partner and don't shut them out Mm -hmm. but they actually recommend taking time uh, taking time to Mm self-soothe As in, you know, if you do need some time away from an argument or some time away from your partner, you know, use that time to build yourself back up. Um, you know, be respectful in like asking for that time from your partner, you know, instead of just cutting them out, um, which I thought was really interesting. I appreciate that. I, I think my partner is very good at that because he's able to like leave a situation, do something to make himself feel better and then come back to it like with a more open head and uh, a better kind of understanding of maybe where I'm at or whatever. Uh, And I think that is really important. So another way to cultivate respect is to allow your partner to feel the feelings that they're having during difficult times that are in their life or in their other relationships or in their current relationship with you. Um, Don't automatically jump to trying to just fix your partner's feelings, but instead focus on listening. And of course, uh, you know, that's why we created the Triforce of Communication. Yes. So go and listen to that episode because that's very useful for um, preventing yourself from sliding into that, wanting to fix things, especially if you're someone, and I count myself among these ranks, someone who slips into that bad habit a lot of automatically trying to fix things. Mm. Yeah, that one's tough. I think it's challenging to not just want to be like, I'm going to help you right now, or don't feel sad. Well, Look at all yeah. these amazing things in your life. Like, whenever, like, I would be really down on myself, my mother would be like, I don't understand why you're so upset right now. Like, you have so many amazing things in your life. And mm. I would, like, totally negate my feelings. <laughs> right. I'd be like, this is mm. not helpful. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we. I think we see it with the way... W- will treat kids a lot too like a kid you know hurts themselves or something it's like oh it's, oh, it's okay i got it i got it i'll fix it all up make it better it's like i, I just need you to stop crying right now <laughs> it's kind know, of the, that's kind of like the underlying thing it's like this is making me feel awkward so why don't you just <laughs> fucking put a lid on it yeah but i think we can yeah. we can approach things when you know our friends or our partners or whoever approaches us with this is something i'm upset about it's like how can i fix it how can i make this go away so i can stop being uncomfortable mm-hmm. knowing that you're unhappy or knowing that you're uncomfortable yeah but it's that's interesting that's kind of an uncomfortable truth to recognize yeah. but a good one i think for people to understand but yeah the more respectful yeah. thing is to be like hey i hear you i understand that you're having a moment mm-hmm. and i i am comfortable with you feeling your feelings right now right and offer them solutions if they want them yeah Exactly. But but not if they don't. So our last one on how to cultivate respect in relationships is 
to tell your partner that you're proud of them and let them know that you respect them not only in front of each other, but also in front of other people. I think that's really cool. Because yeah. sometimes, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, you do hear yourself like maybe saying like, hey, baby, like, I think what you did today was really awesome when you like, you know... I don't know. What, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say something about animals, but I was like, <laughs> save that wild panda. But like, if you did that in front of a bunch of friends, it, that might mean a lot to them. And and also mm. like show that you're not afraid to be really there for your partner and, and really complimentary of your partner in front of other people. I think that that's like a nice well, gesture. Like- it's a little bit of a reaction to the opposite because we've all seen the couple that does the opposite of this. Totally. At a party where they just kind of, even if it's tiny things, just Neg. like tiny digs yeah. at each oh, other. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. You know, or like tiny little passive aggressive comments. I have some friends like, who do that. Oof. Yeah, it's Just the worst to be around. And I mean, as bad as it is to be around, it feels even worse to be on the receiving end yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 I, I was Like uh, day in and day out. I thought you were going to go a different direction with that because for me, I feel like the opposite of that is something that I know I have done in some relationships before. And and I do this sometimes with my friends and I have to keep aware of it, but is telling everyone else how great they are Mm. and not telling them enough to their face Mm. or telling it to them in front of people or whatever, uh, that that's one that that I've found I fall into as well. I recently like Mm. this maybe should come up more in the next one that we're going to do, but but I, I said to Josh, I was like, you know, I used to, uh, <laughs> Jason, like, even Brad would tell me all the time, like, how great I was at singing or how good I was at acting. And, like, I don't really hear that very often from you. <laughs> like, I think it would be kind of nice. And so he listened to that and he definitely, like, we were at karaoke the other night and he was like, oh, my God, you sound so amazing. And I was like, Thanks. nice. Thank you. The power of asking for what you need. <laughs> totally. totally. That's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners you can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com adammail.com or evestoys.com and select any one item it can be you know an adventurous new toy or anything you desire something fun something sexy whatever sounds good 
So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right. Our next topic, our last topic of the four is... uh, The four great horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) Of the (laughs) non-apocalypse. No. The four inspiring... Okay, no, it can't be horsemen because we're used to associating horsemen with apocalypse. Uh, Like the four inspiring... Lions. Camel riders. Oh. Oh. Um, Okay. I was going to go with like sprinters or like endurance runners. So yeah. like, the four inspiring Usain Bolts of <laughs> yes. relationships. If Usain Bolt was cloned <laughs> three times and he yes. also was there, these yeah. are the four of him. And that he was There's also bringing you. Usain Bolts. And he was also bringing you healthy relationships, inspiring relationships. What what more could one ask for? <sighs> this is the fourth Usain Bolt that comes across <laughs> the finish <laughs> the line final, here. The oh, final is it Usain? Bolt. Is it Usain? I thought it was Usain. Is it Usain? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've heard it. Pr- I've heard it pronounced many different ways. I have I'm probably all of, wrong. Yeah. I'm afraid of offending him, and then he'll never leave us a review on the podcast. Right. <laughs> we so, love you. Um, this is um, about sense of self uh so what this is is that um this is from uh pia scade i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly i don't know scott scade do you know dedeker which one it is i okay I have no idea. anyway i apologize if i've said it wrong an outstanding love doesn't come from two half fulfilled people coming together to make one whole complete life Outstanding love comes from two whole people coming together to share and enhance their already full and beautiful lives. I almost Ooh. had like a British accent for a second. Enhance. enhance. I do that yeah. too, though. <laughs> it's Did, fine. Well, you know, I just learned that she is Australian, so. Oh, well. Well, then there you I go. I should go back and read it again. No, I'm not. I can't do, do a fucking <laughs> Australian <laughs> accent. Good luck with that. Right. Um, okay, and then we're going to go back to good old Esther, my fave. And she says that the idea that we lose ourselves in the presence of our partner is deeply ingrained in the modern perception of love, particularly in the United States, as almost all of our communal institutions give way to a heightened sense of individualism. We look more frequently to our partner to provide the emotional and physical resources that a village or community used to provide. Is it any wonder that tied up in relying on a partner for compassion, reassurance, sexual excitement, financial partnership, etc., that we end up looking to them for identity or even worse, for self-worth? Esther Perel. Mic drop. Esther Damn. Perel. Yeah. I know. She's like, boo <laughs> the fucking yeah. Well, I've, I've been thinking about that particularly for a while now, about this like identity thing. And, yeah. you know, I think especially of my relationships that I had up until quite recently, up until just a few years ago, and how much I allowed them to shape my identity. Oh, God, ditto. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast about you know, how we we even come to dating with a sense of figuring out, like, how good is this partner going to be for my status? Like, how good are they going to look for my status? Because we're going into it, like, just anticipating that we're going to kind of install this person into our identity a little bit. Yeah. What do you mean by status? Social status? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, well, it's it's interesting too because I mean, I've I've the the book that I'm reading right now has a lot of time travel in it, and in that, there's a lot of talk about you know marrying someone for you know how their wealth fits into the social status, and that that's the only way to move through social classes and things like that. But I mean, even just if you think about that in more like I don't know less class focused ways of thinking about it, like you know when starting to date someone, you might think like, how well are they going to get along with my friends? Like, are they someone I'm going to want to bring places with me? Or am I going to be embarrassed to bring them to a work function? Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's, I think that's the sort of the modern day American equivalent of that kind of. Oh, I was going, I was going more superficial with it. Oh, really? No, like this idea of like, I need to pick someone who looks very conventionally attractive so that other people would admire the partner that I have. Hmm. You know, interesting. Yeah. So for me, it's it's more about like, I would assume it would be more about sort of skills and impressiveness in other arenas than just how they look. Um, But yeah, I think both are both could be argued to be equally superficial uh, in terms of picking a partner that you're actually happy with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So with all of this, it's incredibly important to maintain a strong sense of self within each of your relationships. One relationship like one's relationship can bring fulfillment, but it shouldn't be the only reason for finding self-worth. Codependency, which we do talk about on this show a fair amount, can breed from needing too much validation and praise from your partners. And it's interesting because we just talked about the importance of praising and appreciating it your is, partners. But there's a fine line. I feel like this strong sense of self is also kind of related to the autonomy thing as well. It is, but I do think that they're a little bit different because one is maintaining like your own personal space and your own personal boundaries. And the other is like being able to find validation and self-worth by yourself as opposed to needing your partner to fulfill that. That's how I look at it. I kind of see it as the autonomy thing kind of is more related to like the actions that you take separately from your partner Mm -hmm. and the sense of self is more about your own identity, how you treat yourself separately from your partner how you view yourself i mean i think i think emily's uh distinction works too but thought it's interesting anyway um how does one maintain a strong sense of self within relationships we have a couple of of ways to do that so the first one is going to be look to yourself rather than your partner for your own needs i mean have confidence that you know what is best for you within your relationship and within your life so not like saying like, oh shit, maybe my partner knows what's best for me. Maybe I need to look to them for those things. And this may be a subconscious thing, but it's something to be aware of. Because I think that I know that in the past I've been kind of like placate towards my partner and just say like, okay, well, we're going to do what they think is best in this moment. As opposed to me mm. just being like, no, I have a say. I have a decision that I can make for myself and that that is just as valid. And I have enough self-confidence to say that that is a thing that I want to go for in the moment. Well, I think at the very worst, this can result in uh, like gaslighting, right? Is yeah. If you don't have the confidence of knowing that you know what's best for you or you know what it is that you want, that that can leave you really vulnerable to something like that, to a partner, either intentionally or often unintentionally stepping in to be like, well, I know what's best and this is what's going to happen and this is what's going on yeah yeah i think that a way that this can look though on the other side is this idea that i'm 
unhappy or I'm feeling unfulfilled in my life, it must be because my partner isn't giving me enough, right? Mm -hmm. That I think it's very easy to fall into that trap as well. I know that I definitely have where it's like something doesn't feel right in my life. It must be because of my romantic relationship Mm -hmm. rather than looking at other areas or looking at myself of like, maybe there's something that I'm not doing that I could be, or there's something maybe not even just like that I'm not doing that I should, maybe it's not that simple, but maybe there's sort of a larger question going on about what I'm doing with my life, um, you know, that, that could be causing this. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's so easy to blame a relationship for that. So I think on both sides of this, right, that, that this can either be something that unduly gets blame or it could be the thing that you're giving all of the power to and not keeping any for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Another tip for maintaining a strong sense of self. And if there's one piece of advice that I feel like comes up in every single coaching session that I have, it is to develop and maintain personal boundaries and uphold them in your relationship. I can't tell you, like I have messaged Emily and Jay Mm. so many times talking about how I really want to create a huge high budget, high production value, full on Broadway style choreography like choreographed number <laughs> about having boundaries <laughs> that I could just perform in everybody's face to get them to get it. It is so, so important. And because it affects so many things, you know, it's things like if you're not getting enough like free time or self time or self care time away from your partner, if your partner's insisting that like you don't have any privacy, you know, if you're not allowed to have like private interactions or private conversations like with other partners or with your friends, um, so many things, it's just so important for you Two, like M said, know what it is that you need, look to yourself for it, and then don't be afraid to protect that and maintain that. It's so, so important. Um, we've done an entire episode already on boundaries. We're mm-hmm. probably due to re-record that one mm-hmm. pretty soon yeah. because it comes up so often. Um, but yeah, boundaries, huge. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Stay tuned for our Broadway number. Uh, if anyone wait. if anyone has a connection <laughs> to like Lin-Manuel Miranda or someone, uh, oh God, put us even, in touch. Don't even get me started. Put us don't in touch. Don't even get me excited. <laughs> Um, All right, our next one here is to stay grateful and stay mindful of the wonderful things in your life. This is a big one that you enjoy. I do, I do. And I actually have more things to say about this because I was just taking more of my class about positive psychology. Mm. Uh, So as we said in a previous episode, uh, gratitude is scientifically proven to bring you more happiness and fulfillment in your life. I think actually the wording that they would use in positive psychology uh, is um, not happiness, but uh, um, well-being is the word that they mm-hmm. like to use. Um, the the great analogy that, that was made in the lecture that I was listening to today was that I think people get a little confused about saying it's all about being happier all the time. And he's like, that's somewhat absurd. It would be like if we trained a dog to just wag its tail all the time. Well, that it wouldn't, almost does. That wouldn't be very useful <laughs> because then we would never know how it's actually feeling. We wouldn't know what's going on, how it's reacting differently to things. So it's not about being happy all the time, but it's about having a sense of well-being, which can look a lot of different ways, but overall means uh, you know more positive things in your life, more positive feelings, Uh, you know, less of the negative ones and that this exercise, which I want to talk about for a second uh, is about, you know, being grateful and finding ways to maintain that gratitude in your life in a very practical way. Did you have something you wanted to add Dedeker? You look, you were. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit confused about how this connects to sense of self. 
honestly. I mean, I think it does just simply... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it does because it's... It's like... I don't know. Being... It, it, be, because grateful... Gratitude comes from within. And you can't, like, look to someone else for gratitude. You can't just be like, oh my god, I'm so grateful for that person, or that person, like, brings out the gratitude within me. But, like, gratitude is a choice. Just like like having a sense of self is a choice, to a degree. Well, It's something one can cultivate, but I think it's also something that, like, you have to figure out for yourself. So I think all of these things just kind of fall under the umbrella of, like, how to figure out how to have a sense of self. And I think gratitude is huge in there because I can't like, I can't be okay with my life unless I am grateful for the things that are around me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think Emily, like, I think that's exactly it. That with something like a sense of self, where we're kind of talking about the core of it is not putting all of your self-worth on another person, like yeah. not getting all of your needs for like why I exist in this world and putting those on somebody else. That in terms of talking about steps of how to maintain a strong sense of self-worth, increasing your wellness in your life, you know, increasing your well-being in your life is absolutely a way to do that. Yeah. Right? And that, that's always been the big one for me is to not to not just like find my self-worth in another human. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why like I, yeah. I used to have a lot of really codependent relationships because like I would get so wrapped up in them that nothing would be be about me anymore in any way of like any healthiness, any boundaries, any anything. So yeah. yeah. So just real quick, this gratitude exercise, I know we talked about it before, yeah. but it's sometimes called the three blessings exercise or the three good things exercise. And it's just very simple. It's just every night before you go to bed, write down three good things that happened today and why. So this isn't just like, I'm grateful because everything's great. It's like, no, what are actual concrete good things that happened today and why did they happen? Uh, and that's it. That's all it is. And this has been shown over and over again to be, you know, proven to have long lasting positive effects, especially as you keep doing it, because it is also highly addictive to do it because mm-hmm. it's just nice to do. Yeah. It feels good to do. For sure. Yeah. So, okay. How to na- maintain a strong sense of self with re- within relationships? One of the other things that you can do is do not neglect things like personal health for the sake of the relationship. I know, like, sometimes I've definitely had friends who say, like, oh, I'm in a relationship, like, I can just let myself go now. And that, I mean, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make you feel great. I think, obviously, it can happen, and it's okay and understandable, but if you can maintain healthy habits, um, such as a mindfulness practice or healthy eating, healthy exercising then they'll make you feel sexier and better in the long run. It's like wrapped up in that whole thing about like, you know, putting on marriage weight or like letting yourself go. And usually it focuses around weight and kind of conventional beauty standards. Mm -hmm. But either way, the underlying belief for all of that is that the only reason why you were doing it was for other people. Yeah. And it's like, Hmm, nah, be be (laughs) sexy for you, man. Right, because it makes you feel good. Whatever that looks like, right? Whatever that wellness is for you, do it for you and not for somebody else. Yeah, even if that's just meditating or whatever, it's all awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so like still maintaining a sense of wanting to take care of yourself, yeah. I suppose, mm-hmm. not just relying on your partner to do that for you. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the burden's fallen on my shoulders to kind of end this episode on a really big, inspiring note. Inspire us. Um, Go. Just live your truth, man. <laughs> chase your chase your bliss. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, really, uh. though. I mean this idea of like living your truth, speaking your truth. I think it's just that. I think it's just like not being afraid to be yourself. And of course, I think the best relationships are the ones where both the person that we're with helps us become a better person and also enables us to be ourselves at the same time. It's kind of that weird paradoxical thing. Um, But I think more often than not, I think it's more important for people to know that like, you know, being true to yourself, whatever that means for you is going to be the thing that keeps you going for the longest amount of time. Because if you think about it, like you're going to be in a relationship with yourself till the day you die. Mm -hmm. The relationship you're in right now, maybe it'll last that long. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be less. And so I think that that's why it's important to make sure that you're maintaining a good relationship with yourself and that you're being true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, continuing to take care of yourself, continuing to honor yourself, respect your own decisions, you know, continuing to carve out the life that you want, um, take care of yourself in the way that you want. And that's going to make you the best possible partner um and have the best possible relationships and i mean this is such a broad topic obviously like we spent a whole two episodes yeah. Yeah. covering this topic of inspiring relationships the surface. and we only scratched like the surface um you know of course these things always take balance you know that it's important to balance between autonomy and also having intimacy, you know, and having intimacy and also having desire for a partner. Um, and just because one arena is not feeling so great, it doesn't mean that you have to throw the whole thing out. It just means you know what to work on and what to improve. You know, it's always going to be, um, it's always going to be a back and forth. It's always going to be a negotiation. It's always going to be a journey for you and for all your partners, figuring out what's the best way that we can be human beings together mm. for the time that we are together. Yeah there was that inspiring enough yeah, just I, enough? yeah i think the most inspiring relationships are those that are balanced that take like a little bit from each of these and you know mm-hmm. make them work for you in whatever relationship or relationships you are in so go out there and be inspiring is what we're saying because yeah. it's difficult it's difficult to find that in in this world right now mm-hmm. amongst our friends amongst ourselves i think it's challenging but it's it's something to aspire to but I will say, I actually do see a lot of, you know, maybe I don't know all the ins and outs of the relationship, but I see some really inspiring relationships even just within our Patreon group mm, on Facebook mm-hmm. that we have. Because to me, what's inspiring is people who are constantly working to be better, to be the best that they can be. Uh, and that I see a lot of that amongst the people you know, who who are our Patreon supporters and who are in that Facebook group who are there because they want to always be learning and always be better. And uh, especially when both them and their partners, uh, you know, are all working together toward that is a really amazing thing. Like kind of the, the synergy that you can see with a company or a creative project, like how much more you can get done when you have a team working together on something. If you're working really well as a team compared to just working on something by yourself, that having that and looking at that in a relationship is a really cool, really inspiring thing to see. For sure. So if you'd like to have your question or comments played on the show, you can call six, seven, eight, M U L T I. 
0-5. We're here together so we can do that. And leave us a voicemail, or you can send us an audio message at the Multiamory Facebook page. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com, or send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and join our private Facebook community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Jace Lindgren, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.